Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from the bunkhouse at our training facility here in Weatherford, Oklahoma. We are uh, back home for the summer, which uh, has been really nice to be home and be working on some projects and getting some stuff caught up. Before I go into this week's topic, I have to uh, back up a little bit and talk about the clinics we head up in the Dakotas. This last group of clinics started out with a private clinic with a group that Connie Soderholm put together. And uh, that was a really, really good time. Great group of trainers, had a lot of fun. After that, we had a, and that was in Parcel, North Dakota at the Healing Horse Arena there in Parcel great people to work with and i just appreciate them so much uh after that we had a two-day clinic there with that uh, christy thorson hosted and that was that again was a really good group it went really well went from there to pam and bill jorgensen's for a one-day roping school unbelievable facility their ranch is so pretty it's just it's like you're driving down into a piece of heaven when you go on their place, it's, um, and just their hospitality is unmatched. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Went from there to Drew and Brittany Gartner's for a day, had a private clinic with them. And that was a lot of fun. And then we finished up at Sorensen's Arena in Watford City for a two day clinic there. And, and that was, that was just outstanding. I thought it was, Really and truly, I thought it was one of the better clinics I might have done all year. And I, I was kind of proud of that because I, I felt like it really went well and had a great group, of course. But that was my last clinic for the spring until September. And, I, you know, I, I told myself I want to I don't ever want to get to a point where I just try to get through the last couple of days. I want it to I want it to count and I want it to be as good, if not better than any other events I've done. And, and I felt like, I felt like we accomplished that. And so that was a really, really good, that was really a fun two weeks up there. We ended the week, that second week, we ended it with, uh, they had the North Dakota Cowboy Hall of Fame induction weekend. And during that weekend, Friday night, when they had the induction dinner and the introduction of all the inductees, they also did a memorial for my sister, Naomi, who passed away a year and a half ago, going on two years this fall. And that was really special. We had a bench made for her that is going to sit there at the Hall of Fame by the garden and uh, just a really, really nice memorial. And she would have really liked that. It was very classy. So it, it's going to be you know, it's a bittersweet, you know, anything like that's a bittersweet moment. You you appreciate all the good memories you have because you know you're not making any more. And 
and with her memorial, I'm glad that it's there so that just like here in August, Wade and Gentry are going to have their first child and it's going to be a little girl. And, you know, when that little girl gets older, we'll be able to take her there and show her the bench and explain to her who Naomi was. And, and so, you know, it's just a, I mean, it's just a really neat thing. And that's something we, as a family, we were very, very appreciative of. And so we have a lot of listeners from up there and, and a lot of listeners that actually are associated or affiliated with the Hall of Fame up there. And so those of you that are listening, thank you so much. Anyway, this week, one of the topics I'm going to be talking about is something that I just learned this year. And when I learned this and I figured this out, it it made a huge difference in the way I look at implementing my training program. And it made a huge difference in, in my understanding of why sometimes things don't work the way we think they should. And that is understanding what multitasking is. Multitasking is, I, I looked up the definition, and it is to deal with more than one task at the same time. Now, there are a lot of us that do that daily. And I'm not saying at all that that you don't multitask because we do, but I did a little more research on it, and it's a proven fact that our brains can only hold one thought or one process at a time. And here's why that's important is because just like in the roping and in the barrel racing and in a lot of the performance events, When we have a certain task that we need to achieve, sometimes we're looking ahead to the end result and not taking it step by step. And I'm going to give you several examples. Number one, just like in the roping, when I'm roping, say I'm roping calves and I'm buzzing up on a calf, I'm thinking about roping the neck, right? Because that's That's the end result is rope in the neck. But here's where I know I have fallen short before and in the past is not being prepared when I get there to rope the neck, meaning not being prepared to slow down my delivery so that my loop can open up, my tip can drop, and it makes rope in the neck easy you're following this calf out of the box and you're hustling your horse and you're swinging your rope and you've got a lot of power on your swing. And then when you get to that spot, what happens is because we're thinking about roping the neck and not thinking about the step before that, where we slow down our delivery so that our rope can open up and our tip can drop. Since we're not thinking about that, a lot of times what happens is we will speed up our delivery or not back off a little bit on our delivery and we'll make that catch. Roping the actual neck much more difficult than it should be. And the reason is we're not holding that thought process of get ready to rope the neck. We're thinking about the actual roping of the neck. 
it's a step-by-step process. And sometimes if our, we let our minds skip the step prior to the step that is the end result, we're really hurting ourselves. I'll give and I know for a fact I've done this. I mean, I've proven it to myself. I've thought a lot about this. And this is something that I think is really a obstacle that we have to think about, especially in the speed events, because think about it like this. How many, just like in the barrel racing, and you don't have to be a barrel racing expert to to see this, and, and I'm not I'm not saying I am a barrel racing expert, but you think about it in the barrel racing. When you go to make a run and you're coming out of that, out of the alley, or even if you rode in the arena and set up and then you're going to the first barrel, whether it's right or left, doesn't matter. And you're thinking about the turn. You're thinking about the turn where you're going to turn and go from the first to the second, whatever your points are that you ride to, and then then negotiate that turn. And everybody does that different. But just think about it. If you're just thinking about the actual turn and you're not thinking about where you help your horse recognize the signal to get ready to turn, if you're just thinking about the actual turn and if And if it's true, which I've done quite a bit of research on this, and I believe it is, if our minds can only hold one thought or one process at a time, and you're only thinking about that point where you're actually going to turn, then we're not thinking about that thought or that process of sending that signal before the signal that tells your horse, hey, we need to get ready. You know, that warning you know, putting your blinker on at some point, telling your horse, hey, we need to get ready. I tell you what, I really think that that is one of the determining factors of a successful run or a run where our horses miss that signal before the signal or they don't recognize it because we're not paying attention to it. Well, if your horse hasn't had some help to get ready to rate or just like in the roping, you know, when, when I come up to that spot where I'm going to deliver my rope, well, if I don't have that signal with my body to help him get ready to rate and for me to slow down that delivery so my loop can open up and my tip can drop, especially my bottom strand. I'm probably going to end up in a spot there where it's like, oh, crap, you know, and then you're then you rush your delivery or you rush your throw or your horse gets too close or your horse, you're pulling and your horse is climbing. It's real easy to do. And anybody in this business that's competed, trained and virtually everybody that competes and trains, you know, they've felt this you feel like your horse, you get to that spot, you're not ready and they're not ready. Well, you could make a really good argument that that's because we cannot multitask, meaning our minds can't hold more than one thought or one process at a time. Now, 
I'm talking about your conscious mind. There, there are, there are other things, you know, there are other parts of your brain that think as well, the subconscious and, and we won't go into all that right now, but we will one day on a talk on a podcast, but you, you think about that and you see a lot of, there will be very talented, very skilled trainers that with a particular horse struggle with a turn or turns, or you see a really, really talented or skilled roper on a particular horse that their timing is just not very good. You know, their timing is just off. Well, a lot of times I think that can go back to us focusing on the end result versus not focusing on the process, the steps. Because just like just like in a rope and run, we have to help a horse understand, yes, we need to we need to get to our spot at a high rate of speed as quickly as possible. But then also when we're getting to that spot, we need to really help them understand that there's a change coming. We're not going to just keep running. If if we wanted them to keep running, then we need to get ready to get off like we're in the bulldogging. <laughs> you know, if you're running a steer, like picture a head horse running a steer. When that head horse gets to that spot, we need them to understand to get ready that there's going to be a change. Well, just like a calf horse, when I get when I ride my calf horse to that spot, I want them to understand that that spot because because I'm focusing on getting to that spot and then helping them understand that there's a change when I get to that spot to where they can they can rate or stay at that spot. That that helps them get ready to rate or stop to complete the run while at the same time that also helps me get ready with my delivery to slow down my delivery let my loop open up and let my tip drop any any time you put too much on your delivery which when you're making a run and I'm just focused on roping the neck a lot of times what will happen is I'm not focused on that step before that where Number one, I help my horse rate, which is going to give me some separation, right? Because you get to that spot, and then whether you're heading, healing, or roping calves, I want to get to that spot, but then with my delivery, have some separation. Well, if I don't help my horse understand that signal, the end result of the catch, I think my percentages go way down. Well, it's just like in the barrel, with the barrel horses. And, you know, you, we're talking about horses that can really, really run. I mean, horses that running is almost like a game to them. They just like to see how fast and how, how hard they can run, which is just awesome. I mean, the talent in the horses that we're riding today is just really, really unbelievable what we've bred them to become. But those horses, if they don't have some help prior to getting to that spot where they're going to turn, if they don't have some help having that signal, 
before the signal or that warning, the turn is going to be a, a wrestling match. And, and we see it all the time in all events. I'm not, I'm not in any way, shape or form, you know, picking on ropers, ropers or barrel racers because, but those are the horses, you know, I ride a lot of horses that, that go to those disciplines. And so what we see it all the time and, and it's funny here again with training horses and, and teaching at my clinics, it's, it's made me always look for things within myself that have limited me and has created challenges that really and truly I didn't need to have. Well, this is one of them. This is one of them because like, if I do a good job through a run of helping my horse know what's coming, giving them a little bit of warning, you know, letting them feel the signal before the signal, well, then the actual task that I need them to complete, whether that's a rate, stop, or turn, is so much easier. And they can do it without being in a position or in a situation where it becomes a mechanical manipulation on my part. Because believe me, I've done both. <laughs> I've, I've mechanically manipulated horses through different maneuvers more than once. So, you know, if you're thinking you're the only one, I uh, don't think so. We've all done it. Everybody's done it. Now, I think that one of the big separators out there in the performance horse world right now are, are those trainers and competitors that understand how important it is to be consistent with that signal before the signal. And to do that, we can't think that we're going to be able to multitask, meaning we can't be thinking about the catch in our preparation only. We got to be thinking about the other steps that we need to implement to help our horse get ready for the next maneuver, the next task, whatever that is. You know, and that's one thing with multitasking. I used to kind of pride myself on being this great multitasker. I was like, well, I got a lot going on, blah, blah, blah. You know, we always, you know, you, well, everybody, we all think we're busier than everybody else, me included. And that's really not the case. We're all plenty busy. But I've proven to myself that I am not a great multitasker. And I've proven to myself that I can only hold one thought or one process at a time. And, and here I'll give you some examples. When I am sending a text to somebody... I can be focusing on what I'm going to type on that text. And my wife can be sitting right next to me, talking to me. And until I send that text, I have no idea what she's talking about. Now, I've gotten in a little bit of trouble for that over the years. Because she's, she might think I'm ignoring her. But really and truly, we've, we've both talked about this. And she's the same way. If she's, if I'm talking to her and she's sending a text, it's basically like 
like I'm shut off. Or if I'm working on something and somebody's talking to me and I'm really focused on, I'll give you an example. So I've got AirPods that I have in my ears a good bit because I'm either listening to a business podcast, a motivational podcast, you know, anything like that. I, I love anything where I can gather more information and learn and say that somebody calls and so I'm on my, got my AirPods in my ears and I'm talking to them, but I'm working with a Colt and say that that Colt starts to be reactive or get, you know, kind of go into self-defense or self-preservation mode and I'm working with them. Well, all of a sudden the conversation between me and whoever I'm talking to goes silent and I'm addressing this horse's reactive moment and then I'll have to go back and say okay now what are you what were you saying and and I've got tons of examples like that to where when I'm thinking about one thing I can't I can't do two things at once I can't focus on do two things at once I might have 10 things going on but I can only focus on one at a time and it I have done some research where I have seen some studies where they say trying to multitask is very, very inefficient. They, They talk about how do one thing, finish it, go to the next thing. Well, just think about that. Do one thing, finish it, go to the next thing. Okay, so just like on my horses, rather than looking at the end result, I've really been focusing on the steps. You know, let my horse feel the change in my body before I'm going into a rate stop or turn. Then go, then help them if I need to. But give them that chance to recognize that signal before the signal first. And I'm just telling you, for me personally, and hopefully this doesn't apply to you, maybe you've had this figured out for a long time, and I'm sure some of you have, but for me personally, that has been a game changer just this year. That is something that I have some drills and I have some things that I'm going to implement into my clinics this coming year that are really going to be effective in helping us go through the step-by-step process and not think that we're going to just go through a run and multitask and everything's, we can, we can think of four different things we need to do at one time. I don't think we have that in us. I really don't. I'm, I'm 100% convinced I don't. And, you know, realizing that, Realizing that for me with my horses has been a game changer in other things as well. Because now I understand that when I'm doing something and I'm focusing on it, I need to finish it. I need to do it, finish it, then do the next thing. Do it, finish it, do the next thing. And even when I'm going through my list, sometimes my list is overwhelming because I'm looking at my list for today's what I need to get done today. And I'm just like, 
that ain't happening. <laughs> I mean, I need two of me to get through all that stuff. Well, I really don't. I just need to get started, finish one. Get started, finish the next one. Get started, finish the next one. And when I do that, all of a sudden, pretty soon, I'm at the end of my list. You know, at some point, either that day or sometime the next day. But, you know, multitasking, we, we, we really pride ourselves in being great multitaskers. Well, multitasking is dealing with more like the definition I read you earlier. To multitask is to deal with more than one task at the same time. And we can do that. You can deal with more than one task at the same time, but you can only focus on one at a time. Your, your true focus and what's in your mind is one at a time. You can have more tasks, but you're actually only focusing on one of them at a time. So just like, just like making a run in the roping, I guess we can still say we're multitasking, but make sure you're focusing on one thing at a time, meaning what's, what's the first thing, what's the first step to getting to that end result, meaning the catch, right? Well, there's a lot. There's scoring, there's riding into position, there's helping your horse hold that spot. Like, I want a horse to run to that spot and hold it so that when I deliver my rope, we're ready to rate, stop, get separation, right? I want my horse, just like in, if, if I was competing in the barrel racing, I would focus 100% on helping my horse get ready to turn, not working on the turn. If my horse gets ready, then all I got to do is guide their forward motion. And that that's how I would go about it. Now, I already go about it like that when I'm working a horse on a, on the fence or I'm working a horse. I just got a pro cutter flag that I'm putting in my barn. And when I'm when I'll be working horses on that flag, I'm not the turn is all about helping them get ready to turn get ready to rate, get ready to stop. And I think that tool is really, really going to help me to be better at it, which anytime I get better at anything, you know what happens? My horses get better. And it always starts with me. So, you know, I got to wrap this up, but be thinking about that. Be thinking about that because that's something that for me, I feel is a huge separator. And I think you always have to be working on separators, meaning things that separate you from where you're at right now, meaning helping you get to another level in your communication and in your leadership with your horses. Because that's what great horsemanship is, is communication and leadership. So, you know, think about that. Apply it in your program. I think you'll, you'll see some changes in your horses. I think you'll see some big changes in some horses in particular. Because obviously we all know some of them need a lot more help than others. So thanks again to all my friends up north. 
all my hosts, all the people that the places where we had our clinics when we were up there. I had a great time and I always, you know, I'm, I'm, I live in Oklahoma. I've been here for over 30 years now, but going, going to the Dakotas, I, it's, it's always going to be going home. So I, I always, uh, I always love getting up there and seeing everybody. So have a great week of training. God bless each and every one of you. And as always today and every day, let's be our best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhavenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhavenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better, whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.